Beautiful. Let's let's try to put the first <laughs> nugget, like fifty thousand dollar worth nugget. When you listen to this, it's worth fifty thousand dollars, right? It takes yeah. you only five minutes. So, states of consciousness mm -hmm. and stages of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Disclaimer: Before I hand mm -hmm. over to you, anybody, any spiritual teacher out there, on like. I think we're May still 2022 mm -hmm. that has not at least a discernment of states of consciousness and stages of consciousness, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Is just not educated. He's just operating on an operating system like mm -hmm. pre-monochrome. That's very mm -hmm. polemic, obviously, from Alistair, but we mm -hmm. want to educate the audience or invite them to educate themselves. So can you... Can you unpack or repack like, yeah, these two terminologies, states and stages of consciousness? Yeah, so I'll, it's important that we understand states and stages of consciousness, but that we also understand that the ground of being or ever-present awareness or that which is fundamentally undefiled or unconditioned, always available, apparent, is not a state because our meditative awareness doesn't change. And then we say awareness itself is like the mirror reflecting all that is. So states of consciousness are extremely powerful and they help us to grow and to change. So we can move from a state of consciousness that is very ordinary and deeply inhabiting our gross reality suddenly we can start to include more subtle states and those subtle states might include emotional states like um, a state of joy or a state of happiness it could also include um, more subtle states of uh, communications could be intuition could be that our dreams are actually giving us messages that we're starting to include and understand and then we might move to an even greater state that includes that which the Tibetans refer to as the very, very subtle. So subtlety includes very many things, including altered states of consciousness that we might experience. Um, but always there's a momentum towards including more states of greater happiness, states of more well-being. There's a directionality so that states themselves can evolve, right? But the content of consciousness, the way we understand the world, our worldview, um, how we piece together what makes sense and what doesn't, the content of our consciousness also evolves. And this is really important and not always highly understood. Most of us think that the way we think about the world or what comes up in awareness, what we consider, what's important to us is unfolding in a highly unique pattern. But in fact, it turns out that developmental psychologists have established that it, it literally, our worldviews and our value sets unfold in a pattern. And once again, that unfolding seems to be in the direction of more and greater uh, care, concern, and awareness, liberated consciousness for others. Just to decipher for our audience, so there's states of consciousness and mm -hmm. stages of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So 
my personal understanding of states of consciousness is even when I sit on a meditation cushion, I have a very extraordinary, you know, um, peak experience, oneness or void or clairvoyance or whatnot, right? Comes and goes before that ever present awareness. Okay, states of consciousness. Yes. Stages of consciousness are lines of development that seemingly unfold in patterns that developmental psychology can describe which then ultimately creates almost like a grid in which we personally can understand in mm -hmm. which scriptures holy scriptures videos enlightening moments art philosophy are positioned almost on a grid mm -hmm. can you explain more of stages of consciousness because I think the states we, we, we covered, at, at mm -hmm. least on the surface level. Well, I didn't quite finish because I went to subtlety. I started to move to uh, the causal and then to non-duality, which is the freely functioning of, you might say, of relative and absolute. Or the freely functioning of awareness in, in all domains of experience. Just free, open, available, apparent, but deeply informed by our essential nature, our true nature. States of, stages of consciousness levels. Okay, let's see. Well, I think the simplest way to think of it, and, I, and you can track this if you're listening. If I ask you to identify for just a moment with the egocentric self, and Alistair, maybe you can do it with me. If you identify with the egocentric self, what comes into your awareness? If you say, as the egocentric self, I notice, what do you notice? I noticed definitely that I want to continue to grow in my entrepreneurial endeavors to build a nest for my still not present uh, future wife and the children. So that's egocentric, hopefully in a healthy sense. Yeah, so two things are very apparent when I ask that question. One is that what I want and need is central, right? What my desires are, what my aspirations are. It could be what my limitations or my suffering is. But I is at the center, the identity that's at the center of what comes into your mind is determined by the identity of I. Now, if I ask you to identify with the ethnocentric self or the sociocentric self, and now maybe just to make it clear to your listeners, if I ask you to identify as German, for instance, let's use that identity, what comes into awareness? So as the ethnocentric German, what I notice is. I think that's a good question. I think even before the war in Ukraine, with me being born with Germany as a mother tongue and the cultural heritage, I'm very aware of the intergenerational trauma and the intensity of the intergenerational trauma we carry as Germans. And just to stay there for a tiny moment, at least in our school system, it's obligatory that we are taught that we were kind of the perpetrators 
right? So we, 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 we created the Second World War, I would say also the first one, and, and we were responsible for the Holocaust, thus not only for the deaths of many millions of people, but also to the unfolding of a very diabolic nature of how ethnocentrism unfolds. So that's the one piece. The reflected piece on the collective consciousness level is that at least on a surface level, I think we're one of the few nations that is aware of its cultural burden and its cultural inherited trauma. Whereas in most other nations, at least to my knowledge, like those that colonize the vast, vast swaths of land, right? Mm -hmm. Usually it's not told in the, in the, in, in the school books. So often Americans tell me that they did not even know the genocide on the Native Americans. So I mm -hmm. think that suffices, you know, to frame the ethnocentric stage of consciousness. So, uh, so for your listeners, what I would say is notice when he moves from egocentric to ethnocentric, what's at the center now is we, and it's not so, it's not I anymore. So this could be your family. This could be your, you know, your football team. This could be your nation state. This could be, you know, your ethnic group within a nation, whatever it happens to be, but the identity shifts. And so does the boundary around what is me. So what is me suddenly just got bigger. And that's what we mean by levels developing. That's what we mean by stages as we move from I exclusively to now it's I and we, right? Now, Alistair's pointing out something very important. And lots of times it's through our difficulties that we grow. So he's saying that he grows from I to we, and that actually the German people are growing to a larger we, because they're actually including the, you could say the victims of the Holocaust, or they're including the suffering. And so now they're moving from an ethnocentric quality of being German, where it's us and them, you know, to a sensibility of being German that's now more world-centric. Like we're taking into account others. We're capable in a way of being responsible to, to our activity. We're able to see more of the implications for everyone and not just ourselves. Ethnocentrism generally stops at us. It doesn't really include you. It doesn't include them. So that's a very interesting transition that we got to experience. So now if I ask you to identify as the world-centric, what comes into your mind? Just notice what arises in consciousness, Alistair. Yeah, me obviously being an being be, being being nature myself in the middle of nature and uh, indistinguishable uh, indistinguishable of any other living object, um, any other seemingly non sentient beings. So also, I am inherently part of the mineral universe and. The clouds and the oceans and the water and the magma so i'm part of i love this gaia theory um i don't know i read it very early i must have been i don't know 12 or 14 when i was uh, reading that james lovelock uh, piece just because it was in the library of my father 
and was just so, so obvious. I mean, I was a child of a gardener's family so that I was an intrinsic part of nature and was very obvious to me. But for the sake of the exercise, um, world-centric for me means that none of the so-called wicked entangled multi-crisis we're facing as humanity, like climate change, proliferation of nuclear weapons, refugee crisis, erosion of soil, blah, 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 and so forth, right? Because most of our audience will agree. I would coin that world-centric because it's obvious that not Germany alone and not even the European Union combining the nation states can solve that. We can only yeah. do this on a world-centric level. Precisely. So when we talk about stages, we move from egocentric to ethnocentric, we still have us and them. But then when we become world-centric, we no longer have us and them. In fact, we go one step further to include the natural world, other sentient beings, life forms that are at, at ethnocentric are not us, but at world-centric, they suddenly are. And we start to also see systems, systemic change becomes a, a concept that is not there at ethnocentric. It emerges in consciousness. The United Nations emerge as a body. Suddenly the civil rights movement in the States, the women's movement around the world, you know, all of the attempts to start to actually go one step further in treating all of humanity well as a world-centric quality. So this is a very natural unfolding that seems to be in our hard drive. It requires the right conditions, but it will occur under the right conditions. This natural growth, we naturally continue to grow through stages of stuff. Okay, so we're going to explore the cosmic centric self. And I'm gonna ask Al Alistair to identify as the cosmic centric self. So as the cosmic centric self, Alistair, how big are you? let's say close to infinite, like just very, very vast. And as the cosmic centric self, do you have a boundary or a limit? Not that I perceive it at least. Oh. And what are all things to you? as the cosmic centric self. Now, again, we're just, our identity is just growing in levels and stages. So as the cosmic centric self, what are all things to you? Mm, they're all part of me. I see like galaxies and Milky Ways and multiverses and parallel dimensions, mm -hmm. all as part of it all. And so is it fair to say that, well, let me ask you this question. As you identify with all things, what is the emotional texture? What does it feel like to be you as the cosmic centric self? Mm, vast, expanded, empty, but also paradoxical in nature because mm -hmm. it's full of everything yet I'm like containing it all mm -hmm. that's right and when we talk about non-duality we're talking about that paradox that Alistair just pointed to 
And then can you see how as the cosmic centric self that ouster as the world centric systemic change citizen is a part of you and the German who's really coming to understand trauma and world responsibility and the egocentric self who's still looking for a partner. Can you see how all those are part of you? Yeah, absolutely. Feels act actually like this Matroshka figures. It's literally, they're mm -hmm. all stacked into each other. Precisely. And so what we mean by levels, everyone, and then we'll, we'll finish this part of our exploration, is that we have it backwards. We think that the egoic self is the big thing, but actually our deepest nature, being one with the universe, being the universe itself is our deepest nature. And then we care about the world. We take care of our people. We take care of our own body. And we get that in right relationship as we grow. And all of us are destined to grow. It's built into our hard drive. That's the way it is. Thanks. I hope that was a good <laughs> experience. I think so, because I think when it is properly cut, it was like less than 20 minutes and gives people a good understanding of discerning states of consciousness and stages of consciousness.